Would you uh, please take the Word of God with me and uh, turn to the book of Psalms. And we're going to be looking uh, this evening at the 16th Psalm. Psalm 16. Uh, as you turn there, the 16th Psalm is uh, categorized as a Messianic Psalm. And uh, rightly so. When Peter preached at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, he made a clear and a deliberate reference to Psalm 16 and Psalm 101. And specifically when he took those psalms, he said that that's not speaking of David, it's speaking of Jesus Christ. And so Psalm 16 is a large part, uh, almost the half of the psalm is quoted in Acts chapter 2 by the Apostle Peter. Now, when we study the Old Testament scriptures that are Messianic, uh, when I say that they're Messianic, that means that they prophesy or they point us to Christ. So they're Messianic. Uh, We understand that they often carry those Messianic uh, texts. They often carry two applications Um, We have seen that repeatedly, by the way, in our study of the book of Exodus. If you remember, um, as an example, we see, we talked about the Passover. And if you remember, there is the the first application. The Passover, if you remember, was the means of deliverance for the children of Israel from Egyptian bondage. Remember, uh, that was what would make them go free, the the Passover. They would uh, leave that night, the night of the Passover, they would be delivered free. But the second application of the Passover is that the Passover was also the, a shadow that Jesus Christ would be the means of deliverance for sinners from the bondage of sin and death. And so in that sense, there's two applications, the first immediate present application and the prophetic application uh, concerning Jesus Christ. And how do we know that? Because 1 Corinthians chapter 5 or 7 tells us, for even Christ... Our Passover is sacrificed for us. And so we know that that is a foreshadow of Jesus Christ. We thought about the manna. If you remember, uh, the first application of the manna was uh, that the manna was given to the children of Israel from heaven. Uh, The manna taught the people that they were completely dependent on the Lord. And it was in the manna that they would be filled, that they would be satisfied. Well, the second or the spiritual application of the manna is that it is a picture or a shadow of Jesus Christ who was given to the world also from heaven. Uh, The manna was a shadow of Christ that the world might see that they are completely dependent on the Lord. And it is in the Lord Jesus Christ that all men are um, filled and that they will never hunger again. It was in John 6, if you remember, that Jesus says, I am the bread that came down from heaven in reference to the manna. So when we look at Messianic scriptures, uh, there are, in those Messianic scriptures, there's two applications. And so we repeatedly uh, see that through the scriptures. Uh, After you properly interpret the scriptures, uh, you can make the proper application. Now, there is always a first and direct and present application, and there is also a second prophetic or spiritual application. Now, as we come here to Psalm 16, we know that there is a personal application to the psalm. Uh, 
And we also know that there is a messianic application as well. These two applications of the text do not work against the other. That's the way we have to put it. Rather, they actually complement each other. Um, we know it's a messianic uh, psalm because of verse 10. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Now, that's the verse that uh, Peter quoted on the day of Pentecost in reference to Jesus Christ. That David did not write that about himself because he is dead. We know where his burying place is. And so it's referring to Jesus Christ. So we could study this psalm with David in mind, certainly. We could also study this psalm with Jesus Christ in mind. However, I would like to study this psalm by emphasizing uh, not necessarily the people that are speaking or that are, that are referenced, and that's both David and Jesus Christ, but I want to really emphasize what is the general theme of this psalm. And so... Uh, would you stand with me as we read here in just a moment? Uh, Psalm 16, we'll read the all 11 verses. And we're going to see throughout this psalm that there's a number of benefits that the psalmist enjoys. Uh, let me mention them and then we'll see them in the text. He is preserved. He delights. Uh, his portion or lot is maintained. He has found pleasant places. He has received counsel. He is unmovable. His heart is glad. He finds rest. He experiences fullness of joy, and he anticipates pleasures forevermore. Uh, so we see that the psalmist here enjoys certain amount of benefits here. Uh, but the benefits is not the theme of this 16th psalm, uh, because the benefits are many, and they are different. So it's not one theme. You can't have all those different benefits and say that that's the theme. Uh, the benefits, however, are all found in the same place, proceeding from the same source. And so that's where we see the theme. So let's begin reading. Notice in Psalm 16, verse 1, the Word of God says, Preserve me, O God, for in Thee do I put my trust. My soul, O my soul, Thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot." The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night season. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I'd like to bring your attention 
to verse 11. And notice in the middle of the verse, he says, In thy presence is fullness of joy. I would like to preach this evening a message that I have entitled, In thy presence is fullness of joy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this evening for your word. And as we examine this text and think about all the benefits, help us, Lord, not to neglect where those benefits come from. Lord, help us to have a clear understanding as to what we must do to enjoy those same benefits that are given in this psalm. So give us understanding, and by your Spirit, Lord, would you convict us in the areas tonight where we most need it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So you say, well, what is the theme of this 16th psalm? There are many benefits that are listed, and I named many of them, but the benefits... Uh, That's not the theme of this psalm. The theme really, I believe, to be here is the presence of the Lord. Uh, In verse 1, he says, Preserve me, O God, in thee do I put my trust. In verse 5, he says, The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and my cup. The Lord is. Uh, In verse 7, he says, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. Verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me. And verse 11, in thy presence is fullness of joy. Now let me just say this before we begin, that human nature is always interested in benefits. Are we not? Uh, You think about if you have a job, you say, well, what are the benefits? And we are really interested in what the benefits are. Uh, But often what we do in our lives, and we would do this uh, maybe even spiritually in our lives, is that we often neglect the source of where those benefits come from. Uh, We often want to experience the benefits without going to the source of where those benefits come from. And so, I would like to put it this way here, when we think about this psalm, as we think about ourselves as Christians and worshiping the true and living God, and we think about our salvation, we think about here as we read those words of Uh, The Lord is our portion. In Him we are preserved. In Him we are immovable. In Him we find uh, counsel. In Him we find rest and gladness and fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. It's important for us that we uh, never begin with the happiness of man. That's not where we must begin. Uh, We must always begin with the glory of God. But that goes against our nature, does it not? Often you think about our society and what our society is telling the world is you want to be happy? Here is something for your happiness. And it is a uh, false advertisement because fullness of joys and the benefit that are described in this psalm are the result of something else. And so really the, the, the theme of this 16th Psalm, I believe, is clearly the presence of the Lord. And let me make uh, bring this together because we have the first reference, which is David is speaking, but also this is a reference to Jesus Christ in that it is a Messianic Psalm, specifically to the place where it applies directly to Jesus Christ, whose... Uh, um, Uh, soul would not be left in hell and would not see corruption. That's a direct reference to Jesus Christ and not David. And as we think about the presence of God, I think this goes well together because here 
the psalmist is craving for the presence of God, but also it's a reference of Jesus Christ. And we know full well that we do not have any access into the presence of God were it not for Jesus Christ. That there is no way that any man is worthy to come into the presence of God uh, apart from the merit of Jesus Christ. And so really what this psalm is about as we think about it being messianic in nature is that you have uh, the psalmist but then in view is Christ and so Christ brings the psalmist into the presence of God. And uh, that's how we can understand those two applications. Now, when we look at this psalm from beginning to end, we see something at the beginning and something at the end. In the first verse, we see the entrance into God's presence. And in the last verse, we see the benefit of God's presence. I'd like to begin really in verse 1. And what we're going to do is I'm going to expound verse 1. Then we're going to work our way through this psalm to look through all the benefits. And then we're going to end at the end to look at the fullness of joy that is found in the presence of the Lord. The very first verse really give us, uh, set the stage for us for uh, the entirety of this psalm. Uh, The Bible says here, Preserve me, O God, For in thee do I put my trust. So as we open here this psalm, there seems to be before us here a request, right? A prayer. Uh, The prayer is very simple. Preserve me, O God. He says, for in thee do I put my trust. Now, the word here, preserve, means to hedge, to guard, and to protect, Uh, We we think about, uh, sometimes we may say something like this, well, I'll pray a hedge of protection around you. Where does that hedge of protection come from? It's come from the idea of preservation, the hedge of protection. And so he is asking here for the Lord's protection, but we must not stop here with the request. The request is clear, it's plain, but this request is not answered, if you notice, or fulfilled only by God's doing. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, this request here is made with an understanding or with an action on the part of the psalmist. You see, there is something that the psalmist must first do as he is making this request. Notice, preserve me, O God, here it is, for in thee do I put my trust. Here's the request, but at the very same time, he does something, he takes action, or he makes the request with an understanding. You see, the expression here, uh, for in thee do I put my trust, uh, that, uh, those words, I put my trust, comes from one Hebrew word that means to flee or to find refuge. To flee or to find refuge. But notice here, who is the object? He says, notice, preserve me, O God, for in thee. Who's the thee here? That's God. In thee do I put my trust. In you, Lord, am I fleeing to. 
In you, Lord, am I finding refuge. And so notice here, the psalmist makes a request, preserve me of God, but he doesn't stop at that. He makes this request in an understanding, with an understanding. He makes this request, but he also takes action when he makes that request. You see, the request here is made at the very same time that he is doing something. Now, I think at this point it might be important to confront uh, the mindset uh, with which we often conduct our own lives. You see, we go about often living our own lives, and as we do, we encounter some difficulties. And in the face of these difficulties, we pray often, we ask the Lord, preserve me through these difficulties, Lord. And that is where we stop. You see, if we are not careful, we may treat God like an insurance policy that if anything goes wrong, we pray to be bailed out. And we look to God in the distance and we say, God, I need you to intervene for me in this area. I need you, Lord, to do this for me. Lord, I need you to intervene. However, there is an important missing element when we do that. Often we do not take action or we do not make this request with understanding where we are not putting our trust in the Lord, where we are not fleeing to Him. You say, what does that mean? In His presence. We do not flee to the Lord. I'm going to give you some examples here, so hold on because you might say, I don't understand what you're talking about. Hopefully by the end of this message it will be clear. But here's where we must understand the idea of preservation. What do we need to be preserved from? You see, preservation here does not happen because the psalmist has asked for it. Preservation happened because the psalmist has asked for it and also taken action. He has fled to the Lord. You see, when we flee, we first flee to something or someone, but we also flee from something or from someone. Now, what is that? Now, I have a whole illustration for this message. I hope it all works out. And so, I was thinking here, in the very first verse, he says, Preserve me, O God. Now, this is not, we're not going to have nursery over here. But, we're going to set things up here. And I want us to have the idea. When the psalmist says, Preserve me, O God. Here is the difference that I'm trying to explain to us. Preserve me, O God, where we come to God and we say, well, God, here's what I'm dealing with. And so God, now this is where God is. That's the presence of God. That's where He is. And we say, God, I'm living my life over here. And I've uh, ran into some difficulties. And so God, I need you to help me here in my difficulties. That's not what the psalmist does. The psalmist says, preserve me, O God, For in thee do I put my trust. For in thee do I flee. For in thee do I find refuge. Do you see how the psalmist is not treating God? He's not treating God uh, like, well, God, here's my life, and I need you to move from your place and help me where I am. No, he doesn't do that. He says, God, here's the trouble in my life. I need to come to you. 
And I know that I will be preserved when I come to you. You see, often in our lives we think about the presence of God and we think that God needs to help us in our present circumstances where preservation is only found in His presence. Where we flee to Him for refuge. Here's the wonderful thing about this. Because remember, if we are fleeing to someone, that means we're also fleeing from something. And we might think at the onset here, well, that means that the psalmist has enemies. And no doubt many of the psalms refer, the psalmist refers to his enemies. But not all of them do. Some of them here, the psalmist has asked that God would save him from himself. And so when we think about the psalm asking and fleeing to the Lord, when we think about this area where there is a hedge of protection that he is surrounded because that's where the presence of God is, he flees to God, he has to leave something. But not only is he fleeing and finding protection from, you could say, the enemy, but he is finding protection from himself away from the presence of God. You see, Christian living is not a religion, it's a relationship. Now I know that's a cliche statement and we say that all the time. But as we look at throughout the psalm, the emphasis here, specifically in this psalm, is on the presence of God. Even a little later on, notice what he says in verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me. So before I move on in this life, I'm not moving, being separate from God. God is an entity over here. And I'm coursing through this life and I need you, God, to help me. No, he runs to God and he says, I have set thee always before my eyes. In verse 11, in thy presence is fullness of joy. Not away from his presence. Now, I have through this, uh, I need 10 volunteers. Do we have uh, 10 children? Okay, now children, you're going to need to behave, Right? You're going to have to stand up straight, not make faces, and hold the paper. You can do that. So we're going to need, let's see, let's start with, all right, Sophia, you come over here. Now hold it where nobody can see it yet. Adeline, here, stand all the way over here. Hold it to where nobody can see it. Cyrus Lincoln, David, Tim, Adeline. All right, hold it to where nobody can see it. Keep lining up down there. Melanie, Leland, all right, hold it to where nobody can see it, we got two more, Claire, Gracie, you want to come and help me, all right, here, okay, we're good here, so all right, everybody stand and face the congregation and smile, y'all look so sharp tonight. There are a lot of benefits as we... How do I get back here over the pulpit? (laughs) So we see here that, again, the theme of the psalm is the presence of God. And again, when we ask, the psalmist is not just asking for God to intervene in his life, because here's the mindset of a godly man. 
A godly man does not think of this as, well, I live my life and I need you, God, to bless the life that I've decided to live. That's not what he does. He seeks to live continually in the presence of God. You see, that's the place of communion. That's the place uh, in the presence of God that he wants to be. And so uh, the benefit of, of, of the presence of God is this, and I, I, I think we have them all in order. So, uh, Sophie, go ahead, put yours up. So here we have delight. Now notice in uh, chapter 16, verse 2, the Bible says, O my soul, thou hast said unto uh, the Lord, Thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrow shall be multiplied, thy hasten after uh, another God. Their drink offering of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. Now notice here what happens naturally because the psalmist has fled to the presence of God. There's other people here. Who are those people? The saints. That's what he, those who are excellent. Those other people who live in the presence of God. And that's where he is. And that's where he delights. That's how he delights in the people of God. Because he's in the presence of God. He delights after the same things that God delights in. But he's done something else. He has separated himself also from the ungodly. And he wants nothing to do with the ungodly. If you notice very clearly in verse 4, he says, I'm not going to drink the offering of blood that they offer, nor am I going to take their names into my lips. Why? Why? Because he's in the presence of God. He doesn't want anything of the world. He doesn't want anything with the ungodly. Why? Because he's in the presence of God. You see, if he wants the things of the world, that's what he does. He will remove himself from the presence of God to chase after the worldly things. No, no. One of the benefits of the presence of God is delighting in the people of God with God. There's another benefit, Adeline, turn yours around, is verse 5. Notice he says, The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. Now we may emphasize here, you think about my portion, my lot, my cup. Yeah, these are the things. Oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Who is the portion? Who is the cup? Who is the lot? Who is it? Who is it? That's God himself. Isn't that what he says in verse 5? The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance. <laughs> you see, that's why the Lord himself is the reward. You see how that completely changes the mentality of the psalmist who says, well, I got something I need to do over here. I got to make a name for myself in this world. I got to have an inheritance in this world. I have a program and an agenda. No, the psalmist says, I need you to preserve me, Lord, and so I'm fleeing to you. And when he is in this place, he finds that the Lord himself is his portion. The Lord himself is his cup. Isn't that what he says in Psalm 23? My cup runneth over. How does this cup run over? Because he says, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. God is his portion. There's another benefit that we find. Go ahead, Cyrus Lincoln, turn yours around. Verse 6, notice. He says, The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places, yea, I have a goodly heritage. Now, the expression here, the lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places, uh, that's the expression that just my path seems to have become plain. Or we might put it this way, my life seems to have become simpler. Simpler. 
just straightened. Where is that? It's not us away from the presence of God asking God to smooth our own road. It's us going to the presence of God and finding that, he, that the lines fall in place when we are in His presence. There's a next one. David, turn yours around. Look at, look at another benefit, verse 7. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also, also, uh, also instruct me in the night season. And so here the psalmist says that he has been given counsel, but who does he bless for the counsel that he has? The Lord. Where did he receive the counsel from? He's received it from the Lord. And so he says, My reins also instruct me, here it is, in the night season. Well, the night season is dark. How can you be instructed when it's dark? Only when you're in the light of the presence of God. There's another benefit, Tim. If you want to turn yours over, notice with me verse, uh, verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Because He is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Again, Sometimes we step away from the presence of God. Children, don't fight. Pay attention up here. And we say, well, God, I I've, have a course for my life. Lord, help me to be unmovable in this life. That's not the way it works. We are only immovable when we are in His presence. Notice He says, when I am at your right hand, I shall not be moved. He connects being unmovable to being right beside the Lord. That's the place where we are immovable. Adeline, you have yours? You want to show yours? Notice the next verse, verse 9. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. So notice here, his heart, notice it's not superficial his heart is glad. God, in His glory, He rejoiceth. Notice, uh, my flesh also shall rest in hope. Sophie, show yours. I mean, Melanie. What's your name? Melanie. Rest. Isn't that what the Bible says in verse 9? My flesh. Now, he's talking about here physically. Also shall rest in hope. Because my confidence is the Lord in the hour of affliction because I'm in the presence of God. Physically, I can, I can be at rest. I can find rest. That's another benefit. Let's look at another benefit. Leland, show yours. We have clarity. If you notice here in verse 9, or verse 11, excuse me, he says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. So notice the first part, he says, I, uh, Thou wilt show me the path of life. So you know what the psalmist finds here in the presence of God? Clarity of direction. The next step becomes clear. The next step becomes obvious. Why? Because he is in the presence of God. There's another one, Claire. Turn yours around. The next one is, In thy presence is fullness of joy. And then, Gracie, go ahead and show yours. And pleasures forevermore. What's the theme of Psalm 16? The presence of God. These are all the benefits. Hold up your paper so everybody can see it. 
These are all the benefits of us coming. Notice verse 1. Preserve me, O God. For in thee do I put my trust. For in, in thee do I flee. It's not. Preserve me, O God. Got to run my life. Bless my direction. Bless my purposes. Bless my ambitions. And treat God, excuse me, like a genie. No. God is much greater than that. You see all those benefits? I think all of us would say we want those benefits. Right? And what we do is we do this sometimes. We say, God, help me to delight. Help me to get a portion and to my cup to be filled and to have a lot. Help me to... To, have, to be in pleasant places. Help me to get counsel, God. Help me to be unmovable. Help me to experience gladness in my life. Help me to find rest, God. I need rest. God, would you help me and give me rest? God, I need clarity. I don't know what to do. God, give me clarity. Or God, I'm not happy. God, would you give me fullness of joy? And we do that all without fleeing to Him. We want God to bless our lives, but we have divorced ourselves from Him in the sense that we're not in communion and in fellowship with Him in His presence. And we might end up saying, well, God, don't you love me? Why am I not happy? Very simple, because you're not in His presence. You haven't fled to Him. You want God to flee to you, but it's the wrong way. You must flee to God. And so, I want you all to do an example. Children, ready? You're going to go all around, walk in single file line all around the auditorium. And so, go ahead, slowly. And so, we live our lives wanting all those benefits. We walk around in our lives, and we want all, every single one of those things, and we are walking a life outside of the presence of God. And we will never get any of those things. But that's what we crave. You know why? Because our mindset is in the wrong place. Because we desire those things more than God himself. We desire those things more than God. But you know what we have to do? We have to come over here. And we have to flee to God. All right, let's squeeze in here. All right, now put your benefits up. All right. Thank you. The benefits are only found in the presence of God. Stop chasing the benefits. Start chasing God. And when you find God and you're in His presence, all those benefits will happen. It is a fruit of the presence of God. We want peace. Peace is not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of Jesus Christ. You want clarity in your life? Clarity is not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of Jesus Christ. You want fullness of joy? Fullness of joy is not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of Jesus Christ. You want rest? Physical rest? It's not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of Jesus Christ. You need counsel? It's not the absence of trouble the presence of Jesus Christ. You want to be unmovable? It's not the absence of trouble. 
It's the presence of Jesus Christ through the trouble with you. All right, children, as you exit the area where all the benefits are found, I want you to give me the benefits. When you leave the presence of God, the benefits leave with it. You can go have a seat with your parents, children. When you leave the when you leave the presence of God, all the benefits leave with it. They are always they are always in the same place. So it's not God, I need you to find me. No, he knows exactly where we are. But we need to find God and be in his presence. And when we are in his presence, the benefits abound.